0: sitting here with uh Senior joe leslie
1: hello folks
0: and uh the old fixture lucas <laughs>
1: hey hello hello, hello boys
0: <laughs> nice to have you guys aboard man and we haven't talked for a while and also there hasn't been a chicago spurs four-star spurs podcast for a little bit too so we're gonna have a little bit to discuss and try to get after this especially after what we saw this last weekend uh joe i didn't have the pleasure of seeing you at the pub for the match, but I can tell you that the Atlantic Pub was pretty rowdy, and it's getting more and more packed every single day. We'd love to see you there, more if you could there, bud.
1: I know, mate. I I really miss I really miss being at the bar, especially for games like this, and obviously the derby, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well the the week before. Um, so currently I'm coaching my uh, five year old daughter's AYSO soccer team. Mate, so that was <laughs> that was where I spent most of this game. I did see, I did catch the end, thankfully. I, I caught most of the game, but it overlapped. So, yeah, um, definitely going to try and get to the Atlantic. And with a few of the fellow suburbanites that I I live with out here, uh, a few of us are planning a homage down to see yourself, Lucas, and all the gang sometime soon.
0: Oh, good, good. good. Cheers to that. Um, yeah, and then obviously family takes precedence, and five U soccer is a big deal. I like it. Um Lucas, let's get into the game a little bit here. So let's just get the, the number out there. It was a two-one win by Tottenham in the last seconds of the game. Before the game started, what was your immediate thought? Because I know you got a <laughs> bunch of bunch of shit you like to think about before the games. You got a bunch of rituals, you got a bunch of whatever you do. What was your what was your lead up?
2: Well, you were one of the people that had the pleasure of standing around me, and uh as you know I was I would have bit your hand off for a 1-1 draw in that game. Um, I always have... It, it's, it's really difficult because with this thing... With, with how we're seeing this Tottenham team develop under Ange, it's so unlike anything that we're used to. And we're breaking through all of these barriers that we've set for ourselves over the past couple decades. And for Joe, you and I have been following this club for 30-plus years each. So it's like... I'm just I'm so set in my ways of thinking about this fixture as it spurs Liverpool you know it it didn't matter that I felt on paper very good about the fact that we were going to go at this team we were going to give it a good go in my head I'm just thinking here's the last team that we haven't the only team we haven't beat at the new stadium this game always finds a way it doesn't matter how good it feels the game's going in certain positions it's always going to find a way to somehow screw ourselves we're, we're going to screw ourselves out of points or some way and we're get, or, or some call that's not going to go our way so th- that all was going through my head as soon as the game all, all, all the way up until that first whistle that's what i was thinking about all those negative thoughts which is in no way reflection on this and ball team that we have together and everything that we seem to be building right now is the complete opposite i just have that years and years and years of just pessimism built into the fact that it's the scouser day
0: Sure, sure, like sure, sure. well, luckily, we could say this is one of those days, and it's a very rare thing that things did go our way, especially at the very end um so Joe, what was your take on the uh on the well, you said you got to catch a little bit the end uh most of the second half uh I don't know if you went back at all, but um what was your what was your thoughts on the starts of this game
1: oh yeah i went I went back and and watched the whole thing i mean uh, kind of like Lewis Lucas is alluding to there. Kind of, I was like after the game, I was absolutely reveling in all the pundits crying the tears, you know, because Liverpool got, uh, you know, hard done by. And I'm like, I said to my wife, I've got to watch this game from the start. Like, so as soon as we put the kids down, I was, I put it on from the start. And um, no, I mean, we played really, really well um, when it was eleven against eleven. You know, Liverpool are obviously a a really good team. Um, You know, they've they've shown that over over the years and we can see the start of this season that they're a really strong team but kind of like Lucas really I was pretty optimistic going into this game we went away to Arsenal which is obviously another one of our uh, bogey teams uh, especially away from home uh, particularly and we showed that we can stand up to Arsenal away so I didn't feel any kind of nerves really about taking Liverpool on and it was it was a a cracking game Um, I'm sure we'll get into the refereeing stuff. So I don't want to kind of <laughs> jump the gun on that. But what I would say is those things are a result of how we played, right? It's not like it just happened. It was a like, Oh, it lucky Spurs that this happened. Like we kind of, our, our style of play kind of forced those, if you want to call them errors or those situations to to happen. So I do feel that Spurs haven't really been given, probably the the respect or the credit from this result because everyone's just been completely focused on the referee and that uh, you know, we can't really avoid talking about, but in terms of how we played, I thought we were, we were great again, as as we have been pretty much all this season so far.
0: Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, and I think that even though they threw a bunch of punches at us in the first like 10, 15 minutes, we really reacted well to that and played extraordinarily well towards that the last like 25, 30 minutes of that first half where 11-on-11, we were controlling the match and didn't need anything more than just us just pressing them and pushing up. Lucas, you were going to say something.
2: Well, yeah, I I think the thing that I was most pleased with in the chunk of the game when it was 11-v-11 was the fact that we still came out and we wanted to play our way of playing. To me, that was really important because we've... Now, that is something, of course, when you play certain teams, you do have to adapt the way you play here and there. But it was nice to see, even though we've had great success against Man City, for example, every time Man City's come to play us, it's basically park the bus and hit them on the brake. Now that's worked very well for us in the last several years, but it was nice to see us not treat Liverpool as if there were some gods coming into our ground and we actually just treated it like this is how we play. This is how we're going to play. We're going to play. I I love the way we looked in those first 20, 30 minutes. Uh, of course they're going to get chances. They're Liverpool, but it's—I love the the mentality that we have that we're going to keep going and we're going to create our own chances. And it was nice to see because that's something we really don't often see. And like Joe said, those the red cards and stuff—that was a direct—that was a direct result of the way we're playing. Even that first one, Basuma, like they knew because Arsenal kind of set Arsenal kind of set the tone when they 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 kind of showed how the best possible way to try and handle Basuma is, and that's. Again, to get really, really physical with them. I think Liverpool fouled him like ten or something times. And that red card, that guy comes flying in over the ball. And that's a direct result on the fact that they were told all week that you gotta really rough up Basuma. And that one didn't go their way and it went our way. So
0: Yeah, that, yeah. I,
2: that speaks volumes to how we were actually playing until that moment.
0: I I am with you and I wanna I wanna say it's big props to Ange to have these guys a lot, a lot of these guys, to just to buy into this system that he has, which is just full-court press, we're not going to let off the gas. And if you have to let off the gas, we have plenty of people that are going to come on and, uh, and uh, get their feet moving on the pitch. And everybody's bought into it. It's it's pretty spectacular. And I thought, to be fair, that we were going to get run by Arsenal or Liverpool. Didn't know which one it was going to be. Um, obviously, I was hoping after we got the 2-2 tied that we could just get past... And look decent against Liverpool, even for a tie, I would be ecstatic. And to come out and and the way we did the first half um, was excellent. And then and then the lead up into the goal, um, which I believe was before the before the Bazuma red, right? Or was that was that? Oh, the it was that after.
2: Meant? I thought, wasn't it? They was we it got after? the red, and then when, and yeah, then we scored pretty yeah. soon so after. So it was it was
1: after the red and it was after the, it was like two minutes after the ghost goal that, you know, we, we oh, scored. Right. Uh, it was about what, like 35 minutes or so. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. But that was, I mean, obviously the red, the, so we can talk about the red real quick. It's controversial, but it's not. That is a, that's a decision that the referee does to make in a spot goes back and looks at it. Um, the player does come over the ball, does get the ball. It is a very dangerous play. It's still high. Um, I have to admit to myself and everybody else that when I was at the pub, I thought one, we're not going to get the call because we just don't. And Liverpool always does. But two, it just didn't seem to me personally that it was a, a, a viciously intended play where, I mean, the, the last year when Jota's boot was in son's face, that wasn't a red. It felt like oh, this it was, it was a, he,
2: when he like kicked skip in the
0: or skip, he, sorry, or he yeah, he yeah, caught yeah,
2: skip in the face. And then they scored on that play. <laughs>
0: Exactly. That, that wasn't a red. I I just didn't, I didn't know what to, I mean, were you guys dead set on this being a red, you were like happy with the call or did you thought, Oh, we kind of got away with one. What was your thoughts there? Joe, you want to take it
2: first?
1: Yeah. I mean, I can, I can definitely see it from both points of view. I think the the way you have to analyze these situations really is from the point of view of the the player who was fouled, right? Because I I actually think very rarely in football and probably in in other sports does a, player go out to intentionally injure another player I don't think that happens often at all I don't think the question of intent really is the crux of it a lot of the time you you look at this situation you look at it could have easily broken Basuma's leg and yeah uh, Curtis Jones he's not a he's not a nasty player I don't think but He was not in control of his body then. His studs were up and he could have broken his leg. So I think by the letter of the law, and you can argue whether that's right or wrong in terms of how the law is written, but the way that it is written, that is a red card because it's endangering the the player. Um, So I, I can see why Liverpool felt hard done by, but... You look how many red cards Liverpool are getting this season. There's something with the way Klopp's getting them set out. I don't know what he's feeding them before they. I don't know if he's giving them red meat, raw <laughs> meat, or something before the game because red they're meat like, and Red Bull, Second yeah, dogs. something like that. Because they like four red cards a season and um, you know they really seem to be super aggressive at the moment. And, and if you that's you can play that way and it can really work in some ways and in other ways it can it can bite you and here they've been a victim of their own kind of style almost I I would say
2: yeah I definitely I agree a lot because that was the big thing that I heard a lot of Liverpool people saying was like the intent question and as you mentioned that that has nothing to do with it like I don't care if your intentions were to not hurt him or not if his foot didn't slide back a little bit on the contact he snaps his leg and he's out for eight months what good does that do us by the fact that you didn't intend to hurt him? You bl- you did. <laughs> you snapped right. his leg. So that's where when he you can see he rolls over the top of the ball of ball which is just it is unfortunate. Um but that's the risk that you run when you come in. That's why you got to aim low on the ball in those scenarios if you're going to come up with your studs high like that. And if you don't, you run the risk of your foot coming over the top of the ball and dangerously injuring somebody as well as getting yourself tossed. And so I think it was a pretty clear cut one in the moment. I agree with you, Sai. I didn't really see it. I didn't really see it being that dangerous in the moment, but when they showed a couple of looks at it, you're like, okay, that's again, he could have snapped his leg and yeah, especially intentions that have nothing to do with that. If that's, if that's the way, if you're going to come in and you're going to risk the high side of the ball like that with your studs up, You're going to risk hurting someone and you're going to risk yourself getting sent off. And that's exactly we're we're lucky that there was only one of those two things that happened.
0: Yeah, I agree. And especially these slow-mo cameras where like they just they stop the camera right where his legs like almost cut in half. And it looks just gruesomely bad. So when the when the refs go into we were kind of slightly laughing at the pucks, we knew Basuma wasn't injured. That like the, with the angle that the referee was looking at was like literally the, the stopped angle of where the boot was like indenting his shin and his and his uh, foot was like, you know, 90 degrees the other way. Um, so it looks really bad. I do agree at the end. I, th- I think it's a red, but maybe slightly unfortunate for Liverpool. Either way, we usually don't get those calls, but I want to lead into the next part of it. So it is 1110 now. And you're right. We did score after that. Um, I have to give a lot of props to a player where he's been under a lot of scrutiny um, and is showing a lot of heart, especially after what he said when he came out and he's going through some mental issues with in Rick Charleston. He played, I thought he played excellent, especially in that first half, a lot of buildup. He had three or four excellent crosses um, that Kuliseski was earlier in the match. Kuliseski had a ball. He stopped running and, and uh, Rick Charleston put it right past Allison in the coolest boot who wasn't, who wasn't there. Cause he stopped. Um had another beautiful pass before that. And then uh and then the third one was a a nice little outside the boot flick on his son who then flicks it in the back of the net. Um what's your thoughts on his play? What's your thoughts on our build up play um this match? Lucas?
2: I, I agree. I thought I thought he played really well in that first half, and that was something that um I think once we got the man advantage, it was really it was it was good to see the way that we started carrying the ball. It it seemed like we got like that. As it should, when you get the man advantage, you get that injection of uh desire to go forward and it was good to see him in that uh that role flying forward. But at the same time, you also knew that we still had a lot of work to be done because this isn't a Liverpool side that is afraid of getting a red card and then packing it in. They went to uh they went to Newcastle and they went down a goal and then they went down a man and then they ended up coming back and winning that game two one with ten men. So this was something I thought we were gonna see and we did. They still fought back against us and had a goal called off in a weird way and then they had another goal that was an equalizer. So we knew that they were gonna be up for it. So I was really pleased at least that we were able to see guys like Richarlson flying forward and finding those connections with Sun. He also had that really cool one that like he and Sun linked up with, I think, and like Sun had that like back heel flick to him in the box and then he put it off the post. Like that was almost the coolest thing that was I've ever seen. That yeah. was like that was almost like a the Lamella Rabona, like, (laughs) but like that was one of those that was on par to be one of those type of goals. But yeah, it was really good to see the injection of life come in. Not to say we were playing poorly before the red card, but that's the exact type of injection that you need when you get that man advantage. You want to see that from your players is guys starting to push the ball forward and kind of start playing with that, that extra bit of hunger knowing that you've been given a real opportunity to put the game away.
1: well, Yeah, I'm glad to see Rich Allison had a, had a good game here. Um, obviously, we've talked about it, on I've heard you guys on the podcast talking about it over the months that he's he's not really hit the ground running, unfortunately, overall since he joined Tottenham. But you know, he's been a good player over the years. He's a he's Brazil's striker. You know, this guy isn't a he's not a useless player. He's a, he's a, we we've seen even in the Premier League for Everton, and even going back several years for Watford. Um, you know he's he's a decent player and I, and I hope we persist with Richarlison because I do think he gives us a, something a little bit different. You know he's a much more direct. Um, he can he's quite versatile. He can play out wide like he did at the weekend. He can play you know through the middle. I just think he kind of needs a run of of goals. Um, I'd love to see him perhaps given a chance against Luton. You know it might be the kind of game where if he gets one, he might he might get a couple and he could really. Really get going, but it was pleasing to see him do well in this game. And we know he hates Liverpool, right, from his Everton days. So, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good for him.
0: <laughs> uh, well, uh, Lucas, you kind of glossed over it, and I, and I feel like we need to touch upon a disallowed disallowed goal, an uh, offsides call that has been all over the internet, um, and the and the audio recording has has hit the airwaves, and I'm, I'm sure all of us have heard it. Um, and it's a human error issue where they just kind of. There's a, there's a poor communication. They they think he, they called it on sides and they're like yeah it's good. Uh, it's not on side. They called it offsides and it's a confusion. It's human error. Um, it's really rough. And I and I'm not trying to defend anything. I like I said earlier in a in a in a tweet. I'd, I'd rather have the call right. Um, just for everybody's sake. Um, do I feel bad for Liverpool? God no. But um, I'd rather have the call right. Go ahead, Lucas. What do you guys say about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting one. First off, with the in terms of the onside stuff, we always have to remember that like the view that we're seeing on the television isn't even the real view that the VAR cameras and stuff look at. So I'm sure it was actually a little bit closer than it like to us when we watched it, it looked like he was a mile onside. It might have been like a lot actually closer than than we even know. That being said, it it really doesn't matter how many tweaks we make to VAR and to these changes. We're always going to have those human errors as a part of it. This time it sucks. Like it sucks for Liverpool. Like, yep, you didn't get one and it went our way and not yours, but, look, you also got a free goal in the Champions League final within 60 seconds of a bullshit right. decision. So cry me a river. Absolutely. Like, I'll yeah. trade you. The, I'll, I'll trade you. We'll go back in time and we'll take the free goal in a Champions League final and you can have that. How many scousers do you think are going to take that deal? So it's it's <laughs> yeah. one of the things with this game is you're always going to have these these things. You could point to us. We may have dropped two points on the opening day by a really cheeky penalty decision away at Brentford. That was the worst penalty I've ever seen given. And then Sun in his, like, Korean game, when they don't have VAR, gets absolutely mugged in the box for one of the clearest cut penalties we've ever seen, and that doesn't get called. So it's, it's it doesn't matter how many rule changes or there are things that I think we can do to positively try and make it better. I think the biggest one for me is communication and transparency. I think it's really important. Anyone that watches rugby, you know that the refs are mic'd up and you actually hear the conversations what they're having with the players in the moments. And they're explaining to the players what's going on. The fans watching can hear it and understand. Because some of the people that have the least amount of transparency are the fans in the ground. Because they don't have a clue. What game hmm. was it where, uh, I think it was a game, it was the Chelsea game last year where like there was a yellow card given. And then it was a red. And then they looked at it and it was taken away. And it was just called the yeah. yellow and mm. there was like six minutes and like I had some family and friends at the game that were just like they were standing there for six minutes and had no clue what the hell was going on. So it's like it's to me, I think when you're when there's the lack of transparency that builds to the frustration, which then people lash out in anger and it builds this like animosity towards certain things. And I, I think that that would be the biggest thing for me is you're never going to get rid of the human error element in sport. You just can't um sometimes it'll go your way sometimes it won't we were very fortunate that this week it did and i think uh, geez i've out of, out of if you're going to look between spurs and liverpool i think we were owed that one a little bit more than they've been uh, over the last couple <laughs> years but yeah to me i would just i would love to see the transparency there so even like for us watching on television like the commentators can say hey, for those watching at home, this is what we're hearing the refs are saying. Mm. This is what the communication or this is what the confusion was. This is what the call was. This is why they made that call. That would alleviate so much of the frustrating chaos that has come around the introduction of VAR in our game.
1: Yeah, I mean, just just to quickly, if you don't mind, just add to that. Um, yeah, <laughs> Lucas will remember this. I remember us scoring a goal at Old Trafford that was about, what, Lucas four or five foot over the line and it didn't get given. Oh yeah, back. You know, we've had like horrendous decisions against us as well. And in this situation, we've all, you know, the three of us, as, as much as we're Spurs fans, obviously we all agree it was the wrong decision, but that happens all the time. Like it actually happened earlier that day. I was watching um, Brighton versus Villa. And it, as it happened, Villa ended up winning comfortably and it didn't really become a thing. But Brighton got completely screwed on one of their goals where one of their players got completely rugby tackled and VAR, I don't know, just missed it or something. I'm not sure. Like, this happens all the time. This was just a really extreme example of it. And you net, like, to Lucas's point, you're never really going to get rid of it. Um, You can improve it. Like, structurally, you can make these changes. One thing I would say to add to the transparency thing is, like, if you notice, the people in the VAR, like, booth or whatever, these are like the real refs it's like can't you just get some like tech geek to do that like why why have you got some like 40 year old bald like you know referee doing this like why don't you have some like <laughs> whiz kid with uh, software who can like look at the lines properly these are the kind of people who you can imagine like losing their e- email password or something these aren't technologically <laughs> adept people in these positions it just seems weird like the way that they've got this set up that they have the actual referees doing the you know it's like that skill set doesn't seem to like carry over really to to the technology side, so maybe they need to look at that, but yeah this these things happen, and um you know because it's Liverpool, it's obviously a conspiracy. I do find it amusing that they think Spurs are capable of some sort of conspiracy. We're the kind of team who literally had to give away on a free transfer, one of our players last year, because we couldn't count how many loans we agreed <laughs> yeah. on. Oh, Yet they think Goherty. we can mastermind some like, you know, some sort of grand conspiracy like this. It just It's not the case. It's just a mistake and uh, that's all there is to it, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and, and just to kind of add a little bit to that, up in the press box when they're talking about uh, when they figured out they made a mistake, one gentleman was like, "We got to pause the game. We got to pause the game." The other guy was like, "I don't think we can pause the game." He's like, "We got to pause again." The, the other guy's like, "We can't pause the game." Was like, there was it was amazing to me that like they had no idea what they could and couldn't do. They knew they made a mistake. Uh, obviously, they couldn't stop the game at that point. The decision was made, and human error is human error. And I personally agree with you, Lucas. I like a little human error in the game. I don't mind. Um especially with penalties. And I know that can be a very difficult thing. Um, You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of things to it where the referee is seeing the match all game long. He knows what's happening. He knows a lot of the attitudes. He knows, you know, people are diving. He knows, you know, what people are hitting and pushing and shoving. Um, And so he's got a better feel for the game. Now, sometimes there is a penalty that, you know, maybe he's not given because of certain other reasons. Um, Should a penalty always be given because someone gets fouled in the box? Probably. But I like the idea of human error. Um, I hope that doesn't go away. Lucas?
2: Yeah, because the the downside, the flip side to that is just, A, creepy to even think about. Like, imagine just having the game, if if it's just going to be, if we just want it to be reffed by robots, we might as well get rid of, it's a human game played by human beings and reffed by human beings. So if we do want to get rid of that, why don't we all just have, every year we just watch simulations of FIFA, like one big FIFA tournament or something, and we just start doing that. that. That would be like the alternative where, it's just – it's always going to be something that's part of it. Sometimes the calls are going to go your way. But when they do, you're feeling great. Like, I guarantee Liverpool – like, I heard some people from – like, there were Liverpool fans that were upset, like, saying that Spurs, uh, like, should have come out with a statement or something saying, like – like, that acknowledging it was wrong or something because that would have been positive for the game. I'm like, well, I don't hear we're you sorry. about that when you guys get lucky with a call. Like, I don't hear – it's just – again, it's – and again, I don't hear – not, not much being said on their end about their fans' racial abuse towards you, Doggy. That's clearly yeah. not an issue, but they're, uh it's just one of those things. When you're, when it doesn't go your way, it's always going to feel like the world's out to get you. But this is football, and it has a way of evening it. It's, it's going to even itself out. I'm sure we'll get a, we'll get a bogus red card or something on us at some point this year that ends up being probably the wrong call, but we get stuck with it or something like this is. It's, and we're gonna have to overcome the adversity in the moment and adapt and
0: yeah they, I'm pr- unfortunately
2: pr- for them they didn't do a good job adapting. They took that red card able, they were able to bounce back with another goal to equalize but they they didn't they got a red card that they didn't like the call of they had the goal called off that they didn't like the call of and they kind of let that instead of overcoming and rising to the challenge they let that settle in and they continued to play poorly and got another guy sent off
0: well that's that's the other thing we should jump into that um, Joda who a Doogie may have gotten, may have gotten touched, may have not gotten touched. Um, you know, whatever the case may be, puts Joda on a, on a yellow. Um, fine. I have no problem with that. I've seen, we've all seen it a million times. Um, it's, it's fast paced game. and The ref doesn't see everything gives the, gives the call, but, and for that, for them to go for the Liverpool fans to be outraged by this, for Joda to get a red that the second tackle was a clear cut yellow and Joda knows what he's doing. He's a professional footballer. He knows he can't be slide tackling in there. Um, So for Joe to get a red there, I mean, there's nothing that can be said. That's a red card all day on a second yellow um, and put him in a very – put him in a very bad place. Um, I kind of want to fast forward to not going too much more of the red cards. I want to fast forward into 11 on 9, and wow. I mean – Rick said a little bit in, a, in, our, in our chat on the side about just being able to play 11 versus 9 to be able to change the way you're approaching the goal and how you're going to go at it. Um, this is something I don't – this is a little over my head personally. I've only been following the game for about 12, 13 years now. Um, and uh, I, I, I definitely felt what he was saying. What, what do you guys got to say about Tottenham's play? 11 versus 9, obviously it took us till the very last minute to get a goal – and lucky that uh, and lucky that happened um, on a nice little flick on by Liverpool. But um, what's our what's our talk about uh, eleven versus nine? Uh, Joe, you want to talk?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that it, we we weren't playing well. Let's be honest in that period. You know, I think Liverpool give them a bit of credit here because, like Lucas mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, against Newcastle, they actually were able to win that game away with only ten men for most of the game. So they've got obviously they're they're pretty good at this like (laughs) they're pretty good at kind of just organizing their shape in a way that it's it's hard to really get behind them and and the main point i would make is i don't think you can really be too critical of Coglu or any of the tactics here i think it's more a kind of a personnel thing um we've obviously we've got a few injuries at the moment like Think how useful Perisic would have been in that situation. I was
2: screaming out for Perisic in that game.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> exactly. screaming out for him because, and the reason, especially, is in, in number it's his quality, but also he can go both ways. He can use his left, he can use his right, he can come inside and go out like he can cross from either either side, right? Whereas I, I love Kuleszewski. I think you know he's been a really good signing for us, but I do think he's limited in these situations where he's against a very stat, like a a defense that's like rooted in, right? Like they're not going to come out. He's going to get past them because he doesn't have the pace. So he can't ever get behind his man and pull it back. He he always ends up doing the same thing, which is kind of cutting inside. And sometimes he puts in a decent ball and, you know, he's done that, but this game, he wasn't really finding it. Um, And Solomon on the other side, I also thought wasn't really beating his man either. So yeah, I just feel like, we didn't have the quality of player, unfortunately, out wide. Obviously, Madison and Son, they were both carrying injuries and they had to go off and they're our two main creative players. So I think it was a bit of bad luck, more than anything, in terms of the personnel. And I'm sure that Poster really wants to strengthen in the transfer window to have better options off, off the bench. And, and also then we'll hopefully have like at least Brian Hill or someone else a little bit different you know, uh, uh, available as well.
2: Yeah, I think for me, like, I, I think that, uh, Joe, you have a good point there with, I, I definitely had a lot, I put a lot of this on the unfortunate fact of the injuries that we were carrying. Um, it made our bench look a lot thinner than it actually is. Um, but it, again, like, Parisage picks up the injury. LaCelso would have been a nice guy to be able to have as an option. Brennan Johnson would have been a nice guy to have as an option. So, I mean, there's just, there were... It was, uh, or Brian Hill, like those; those were opp- that was an opportunity that would have been very good for those types of guys. And to something you said there, Joe, when you said uh, like Solomon wasn't able to beat his man, that was kind of disappointing to me because he didn't actually attempt to beat his man. That's where I got very, very frustrated. Was I think there were like five times I counted, like four or five times where he got the ball, and his job is to try and beat his man to the end line and get a ball in. Like, that's all we basically can do in that situation. And he got the ball to his feet, looked like he was going to do something, looked like he was, like, possibly sized up his man, and then just recycled it back out to the top. And I was like, that's not, that's not what we need from you right now. And that's where, that's where I was disappointed, was I get we were very handicapped with the personnel that we had uh, available to us, but it was we were basically given a free hit in the sense that Liverpool are still scary as a 10-man side, but as soon as it went to nine men, they basically locked up the back and said, here's our two rows of four. We're going to sit like this, and we're not even going to bother about threatening forward. And so that's when I wish we would have been a little bit more fearless and actually dared to try and take some of these guys on. And Because there, there were opportunities that we would recycle the ball around the top for a couple minutes, lose the ball, and then try and set up again. And I'm like, if we were to run at somebody and try and create something by trying to run past your man on the outsides and come in from that way, If we lost the ball, we would have won it back again in another 30 seconds and been able to reset. But instead, we were wasting like three or four minute chunks at a time. And then to compound that, the thing that was driving me absolutely off my brain at the pub was we would get these corners, which now becomes a perfect opportunity. You literally have a guaranteed two men are going to be unmarked in the box, which is unheard of you're guaranteed to have two unmarked men if you lump one in and we're playing short corners. We played like four or five short corners in a row to just continue this idealist creative, like lack of creativity cycle that we were passing around. We had Romero come down or Romero come all the way up and he just became this like point man of recycling the ball around instead of actually us being aggressive and taking the free hit that we were given because there really was no consequences. If we lost the ball, we weren't, we weren't going to be threatened going back. So it was really, really frustrating. Um, and again, I don't want to put all of it on the players because I know a lot of it was personnel, but I think that we just, it, it is kind of frightening to see that because we, it, we, we, we are at some point going to have to figure out how to break down these teams that want to do that to us, especially going into next week. Cause that's, Liverpool, even though they had nine men, they just laid a roadmap for Luton and said, "Hey, if you want to frustrate the life out of Spurs, do this." Now they're not Liverpool, of course, but they're a big, they're a big, tall group of guys that want to defend that way. So we're going to have to find at some point in this season. Teams are going to learn pretty quick that it's disadvantage, it's it's disadvantageous to them to come out and try and play us in our way, and they might just start sitting up and looking at some of this tape and say, "Hey, here's a pretty good way to play against Spurs."
0: Yeah. 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 And, um, and now af- after, uh, after the game, well, let's go into the end of the game. We're pushing forward, we're pushing. We finally get the equalizer on a, on a par who played very well, um, on, on, uh, this weekend. Um, he had, had a nice game and had a great cross in. get, gets a little lucky and get a goal. And I've read a lot of things from a lot of people on Twitter saying that's the loudest the stadium has been ever. I'm sure you hear that anytime the stadium gets rocking. Um, but, uh, I mean, I think we were all just freaking out, especially at the pub. Um, lots of beers flying, lots of hugs, lots of hand claps, um, lots of relief um, to actually get the po- get the three points when you know we should have had it, and we had about 40 minutes to do so. Um, any last thoughts on the game?
2: Well, I'll say that I was really pleased with Poro. I know a lot of Liverpool fans think that they're a little unlucky to have the ball go. Was it Matip that caught it in the knee and it yeah. flung in the back of the net? That is, un- that is unlucky, but when you play with nine men like that, what Poro did was exactly what I was just talking about. Finally, just all it took was that shit is going to happen when you start actually, shit like that is never going to happen as you recycle it around the box for five minutes. What is, when that will happen is when you actually run towards the end line, try and whip in a, a ball with that type of like ferocious pace that's the type of stuff that can happen. So I was really bummed that we weren't trying stuff like that for 20 minutes when we got that second red, but it was really, really nice. I thought Poro played fantastic all game. I thought Udagi played amazing too, and he had just took care of Salah the whole game, and again, I I was really pleased that despite it not looking very pretty for that last 20, 25 minutes, I was pleased that the guys didn't give up and that we were able to make something happen like that late because if you as long as you keep your foot on we learned that a couple of weeks ago, or like against Sheffield as well, like as long as we keep our foot on the gas, these guys have that mentality that it's it's gonna go our way eventually
1: Joe, yeah, I mean obviously, as you say it's the the goal was was lucky, but again it was a consequence of all all the pressure, and we got to that situation by playing bravely, you know, like we have been doing all season. I don't think this was probably our best performance, but we were playing against probably the best team we've played against. I do think Liverpool are even bro- probably better than Arsenal, I, I would say, this season. Um, and, you know, we just keep playing the same way, don't we? It's it's great to see. We're so used to having this kind of negative inferiority complex. Kind of like Lucas mentioned earlier, with Liverpool especially, we haven't beaten them for so long. You know, we haven't beaten them since that infamous Champions League final. Um, I think 2017 was the last time we uh, we actually got a win over them. So, just delighted. Yeah, that was back family. at Wembley. <laughs> that was back at Wembley, wasn't it? When we did them like four one. That was a game where La- Lauren got like uh Lauren got subbed <laughs> off after like 20 <laughs> minutes because he was getting like destroyed. The referee, by, you know? the
2: referee had to like like you yeah. see like the referee have to like kind of get in the way sometimes like when Klopp is screaming at a referee. The referee yeah. had to like get in the way because he was screaming at Lovren for <laughs> he was like def- yeah, the ref was right. like defending Lovren from Klopp killing
1: him. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely were overdue that result, and just delighted. And you see where we are on the table now, guys. You know we're second. I don't want to tempt fate, of course, but and, and say this, but I'm gonna, <laughs> and that is if we beat Luton there's a real good chance we'll actually go into the international break because we have another one coming up unfortunately. um Lucas's favorite time and all that
2: yeah
1: so we'll go into Kill the international break top, well if we're top of the league you'll want to relish that though surely right if like cuz if we win that <laughs> I'll, game I'll get and...
2: enjoy it for 2 weeks while all our guys go get injured and useless <laughs> made up cup games
1: well let's see again i don't want to tempt fate there but it, it all I'll say is it's possible and you may even say likely that we might be top of the league so Going to celebrate a yeah,
0: lot. Well, like, yeah, I want to talk about where we're at, at the table and everybody else on the table. And I, I I read something today about Conte and how he started. We basically have started with the same amount of points with Conte yeah. last season as we have with Ange. And I'm not taking anything away from what we're doing today because I think every Spurs fan out there would say they enjoy playing and watching this football. I mean, more than anything, our Spurs are back. We just you just keep hearing those words. Um, it's just so much more enjoyable to watch us press and score versus score and sit um, the Conte way or just keep counterattacking. Um, I don't want to take anything away from Conte, but I, uh, also, Joe, you're saying we could go ahead um, and be in first place at the international break. We were in first place. That was, was the last year, Lucas? December 1st, December 2nd. During that weekend, we were at the top of the table and end up completely shitting the bed. Oh, yeah, um, that, was the Marino, that was the Marinos. Uh, A couple, yeah. yeah. couple years ago. A couple years ago now. Um, but yeah, we're sitting in second head of, uh, even ahead of Arsenal with, uh, goals, total goals scored. Um, and that feels pretty good. Uh, I don't, I don't like wish injuries upon anybody, but Saka is banged up again. So they're going to be a little, uh, they're, they're in trouble, um, going forward. That's a big, big hot player for them. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people are banged, we're banged up too. So it's just about, uh, how we can keep. Keep this momentum going for the next four matches, uh, and then uh, and then see where see where we stand after that. Why don't we take this to uh, a little bit of a break? Good good start of the conversation. When we come back, we're gonna have Lucas's locks, and I mean locks, I mean guaranteed cash, free money, um, free money when we get back, and then uh, and then you'll hear from us. Break it. We'll be right back, guys. See you in a minute.
2: boys welcome back to Luke's Locks here's some free money for you this week first up we are going to take under two and a half goals in the game between our beloved Tottenham Hotspur away to Luton Uh, I think Spurs will struggle to break down the Luton side that will be parking the bus Um, as we discussed earlier that's something that's been a real problem for us as we saw last weekend against the nine-man Liverpool Um, I also don't See Luton wanting to come out and really make it an open game, even if we are able to score and go ahead. Uh, so I, I think we will have enough to win this one, but it'll probably be low scoring. So take under two and a half goals in the game against Spurs and Luton. And if you can get on a site that does same game, par- uh, same game parlays, parlay the under with Spurs to win. Next up, we're going to play Fulham minus a half goal at home against Sheffield. Fulham are coming off a tough loss to rival Chelsea. Uh, and who better to bounce back against than the last place team in the table, which is Sheffield United. Sheffield have conceded more goals than any other side this season, uh, so this is a perfect spot for Fulham to right the ship at home. So take Fulham minus a half goal at home against the Blades. Third game this week, uh, we're going to take Liverpool minus a half goal away at Brighton. Brighton have been a very hot and cold side this year, as seen by the absolute seal clubbing they took from Aston Villa at the weekend. Uh, While they surely want to put out a stronger performance this week, I'd hate to be the team playing Liverpool after a heartbreaking loss. Liverpool will be locked in, and I expect to see their quality prove to be the difference in this one. So take Liverpool minus a half goal away at Brighton. Last on the docket, we're going to take over two and a half goals in West Ham at home to Newcastle. This is an important meeting for two teams uh, that are currently seven and eight in the table and have aspirations to finish in those European spots this year. Both teams like to play an open game and can also have success on the counter as well. So I think we'll see a little bit of a track meet here. So take over two and a half goals in West Ham at home to Newcastle. There you have it. There's your free locks of the week. Free money.
0: Let's go get rich, kids. All right, everybody, put your money on it because that's going to give you enough money for next week to live off of ramen noodles galore. Um, let's, let's, I want to go into, uh, now that we're talking about that, the the, um, the, the, Europe and the no Europe and Spurs are not in Europe this year. It's been, we've been fortunate enough to be in the Champions League for a bunch of years and Europa a few of those years too. Um, and so we've been playing a lot of games Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Uh, this year we're not playing those games and we got bounced out of a cup that a lot of people think that we had a really good chance to win, especially after man city is now bounced out of the same cup. Um, What's your thoughts? I've heard Lucas. I've heard you talk about this a few times over the years. About get us, get us out of these cups. Get it. Let's let's focus on the weekend. Um, I get all that. I've always been somebody who who loves those two. I mean, obviously, we all want to be on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Um, but uh, oh, we got a chat back there who, who wants to talk about it too. Um, oh, doggy, oh boy! But listen, I I well, I, I think um, I think this year might be a good year for us to be out of these competitions lucas why don't you jump in? because i know you're, you're pretty passionate about this
2: yeah this is something it's 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 hard for people to kind of comprehend um because what it, it, it takes an understanding of where every team kind of sits financially so for man city for if you're man city and you have that type of financial backing it's it's easy to put together a squad it's very difficult to find a squad of quality players that want to come and just sit on your bench. But that's what you need if you're going to compete in four competitions at once. You need a team of real quality players that are willing to sit on your bench and wait until their turn is called upon in rotation. You can only do that if you're paying them a huge amount of money. People, if, if, I'm, if I'm a really good player and I'm asked to go to Man City, I either want to know I'm going to be playing, or if I am going to be one of these bench guys, I'm going to be being paid a lot of money to sit there until my number's called. We haven't been fortunate enough to have a position where we can build a full squad that way. So that's why I think it's really important. There, I, I would love for us to be back in Champions League and be playing on Tuesday and Wednesday nights again. But for a team that doesn't have that squad depth and is just coming into this brand new system of Angeball and we're trying to get rid of the old and build this new culture, I think it's actually a huge, huge blessing for us to not have these extra games to worry about. And it's like, it allows us to start to build something from the ground up without being burdened by fatigue and injury. And all of a sudden you got guys not being able to get into a rhythm. And you got, it, it's very, there are certain teams and you see it a lot with like teams like, uh, what was it, Burnley made uh, Europa a couple of years ago. And that was great for them. And they were all excited about it, but they didn't have, the ability to build a squad and because of that they got run down and they've got, they got, they weren't able to handle going to play on a Thursday night in some country and against a bunch of farmers that I can't even pronounce and then come back and play a hungry wolves or a hungry <laughs> Lester or whoever it was that was sitting waiting to had been sitting there all week, ready to go. So for us, I think that, yeah, it's a bummer. We We want to win all the cups we can. And especially when, it's just now basically down to FA Cup and the league, which the league is going to be very, very difficult. But this, I think the timing of this plays really well into our hands that we've seen it loads and loads of times in the past where uh, even like, like Chelsea was uh, under Conte, they finished 10th. Next year, they win the league. Why? Well, because they only had one game a week to worry about. That was advantageous for us. Leicester, when they won the league, we were still in that springtime we were still playing in multiple competitions while they had one game a week to worry about. And that was a huge factor as to why we couldn't chase them down and win the title. So it, it's, it's a huge plus for us right now. Obviously, if we want our club to be going to, where, to the heights and the places that we want to go, Champions League is on the docket. We want to get back there. But for right now, until we can actually build a squad depth, build a culture where teams or where good players want to come sit on our bench and be a part of this with us and play the style of football we want to play because we've proven what our identity is. Once we do that, then we'll be in a much better place to be able to play these midweek games and compete on cups and all fronts. But for right now, I think this is the best thing for us and I couldn't be happier. Of course, I wish we had a Tuesday night and we could go beat Kane and Munich or something, but for right now, this is the best thing for us, and I'm really excited that this is the position we're
1: in. Joe, yeah, I think uh, Lucas did a great job of kind of capturing all of the advantages that we have from this situation. You know, I'd even add to the you know the the perfect example that Lucas gave was Conte winning the league with uh, no additional games uh, when they weren't in Europe. Also, even with us, a couple of years ago when we made the Champions League, if you remember. Um, we were out of Europe at that point, and also I remember being really annoyed that we went out of the FA Cup to Middlesbrough. Like we lost one uh, nil to Middlesbrough, and I thought, "Oh my god, that's terrible." But actually, after that, we had the only the one game every week, and that's when we went on that great run where we ended up make, making the Champions League. We beat Arsenal in the last uh, one of the last games, and, and we got it. So, and what I would say, especially for Postacoglu, is definitely this extra time on the training ground is massively beneficial because these players are learning a comp- not even just like tactically a new system it's just a whole new like psychologically like a new mindset you know we wouldn't have got these last minute equalizers in different you know with different managers different situations in the past we've got this belief that comes from his you know his own energy and his his style of management that's that's really a you know great positive impact and and i do think we're really benefiting from that additional time on the on the training field so obviously it's not sustainable it's not like we never want to qualify for europe again we never want to have a cup run you know obviously that is it's a very short-termist thing um but for now where we are today i think it definitely plays into our advantage for sure
0: i i I 100 agree with both of you and i i Lucas, you want to comment on his comment real quick? Go yeah, ahead.
2: real quick. I just I want to say that's that's such a really smart point too about like the, the actual time in the training ground with them because you got guys that are coming in, even Basuma, like even though he's been here, this is now his first time working with Ange. All these players, like Brennan Johnson's, only been here for a couple of weeks. Like these are players that need time to be, they need time on the training ground with Coglu. and when you look at even something like a Europa fixture like a Thursday night. And so we play on a Sunday, you have the next day, you're basically just doing a lot of rehab and icing and taking care of your bodies. And then Tuesday, you might have a day where you're kind of planning on what you're doing. Some you're doing some training, but you're kind of focusing on your, your game coming up in Europa. And then Wednesday, you're traveling out to Bulgaria or something and then you got your game and then you're coming back and now it's Friday and it's a rest day. That's an entire four day. Like that's almost a week that these players are now spending away from the training ground and away from learning this, pochita- uh, uh, excuse me, pasta way of doing things. So it's like, I think Joe's point is so bang on when, when you literally just, they stay like they're staying in town, they're home, they're there every day. It, it allows them days and days, and days extra of just, training and learning this facility, which is going to help craft our identity as a team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I think that since a lot of the guys are able to play week in and week out, you see a lot of the same starting level, which I really enjoy because it gives those guys a lot of freedom to play with each other, learn each other's skills, learn each other uh, just so well. We know each other on the pitch where you're going to be. Um, I think it, it helps a lot. I, I, I want to give a shout and kind of turn the direction a little bit to Um, some of the players that might be coming in and out. We're going to lose a couple players to the African cup um, qualifications in Basuma and SAR, who have been a starting two on the regular Um, and it makes me a little nervous. And the reason why I bring it up as well is because Hoy Bear, who I know people have a little bit of a problem with him. And uh, honestly, he's been an absolute warrior, Um, nothing but a phenomenal teammate to all his teammates. Uh, and I really think he's a great football player. Um, he just doesn't fit Ange's style of football. It's just It just happens to be that way. Um, and I wish him all the best if he does take off in January. But if he does take off in January and we don't get Bentaker back in time, if he's not ready in full fit because he's coming off a very vicious injury and we're losing Sar and we're losing Basuma for a little bit of time there, we're going to be sitting with Yep. Um, possibly Lo Celso, Um Hopefully, Benteke. If we're lucky, um, does that seem to you both like a good place that we would be in heading into January? Or, or what, what? are you guys particularly thinking? Go ahead, Lucas. Well, I think for starters,
2: there's yeah, it, it's a bummer that we're going to be losing those two guys. Um, I think is I think there's like a little break. I think there's like an extra week break or something uh, after the Christmas period that will actually benefit us a little bit there. So they won't be as long gone as they typically would be in this uh, African Cup. But um, I think that the nice, the, the, the one thing that, as, that is advantageous in this scenario is that we've, we're, we're planning on losing them. So it's not as if we wake up one day and both of them did a knee and are just going to be gone for three weeks or something. So we have time, um, Pasta Coglu has time to start mixing things around on the training ground and seeing who can slot in where, who could fill certain roles. So I think that could be the nicer part of this, is that we have a little bit of time to plan this out and see where we can prepare for the fact that this is going to happen, as opposed to just being a, all of a sudden, we wake up one day and this is like, now we're just stuck with this. So I think that's the one thing I I, I do yeah, it sucks. I wish we weren't having to deal with this, but I do trust that Pasta Coglu is going to have some kind of game plan in place. And, and we'll see. This might be an opportunity for some other guys to really step up. Um, I agree. I don't think Hoiberg is going to be the answer. If we do get an opportunity to sell him in January, I definitely think we should, um, despite the fact that he has been coming in in and, and late moments for us this season and doing his job very well. So fair play to him. But yeah, um, I think that it might be an opportunity for us to look for a, a possible replacement and make a splash in the January. But knowing Levy and knowing the way we do business, that's typically not where we'd make a lot of big splashes. So I would kind of wait – I would kind of assume that we're going to wait to bolster that area in the summer as opposed to the January
1: window. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, it might be – Thinking ahead, you know, we just talked about how we're lucky this year. We don't have additional games. Um, you know, we're just focused on the league. I feel like it might be an opportunity to steal a bit of a march in terms of planning that squad for the, the future, right? Like, for example, under Conte, we made those two good signings of Ben Sanker and um, Kulusevski. Uh, maybe, you know, we might have to spend a bit of money in January, actually, to... to, to make that change a little earlier because like Lucas said, typically you'd wait till the summer, but maybe the fact that we're, cause it's not just those two, it's also sun. Sun's going to be in the Asian cup, um, which over overlaps, I That's believe right. with the African. Yeah. The Af- I think that the same time, actually the African nations and the Asian cup and Lucas mentioned that there is a break. Um, so it isn't as impactful as it would be normally, but there is like two weeks when they're not available, I think Bissouma. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he plays for Mali. That's his country, and and I don't see them (laughs) watch this. They'll probably go and win it now. But I maybe don't see them going (laughs) all the way. Like they're not one of the traditional powerhouses of uh, world football. So maybe Bissouma only misses, you know, one game or something. Um, And Sai, you made you make a great point. Like Bentancur, we're all kind of banking on him coming back, and he was so great. He's been so great for us. But an injury like a cruciate. ACL injury like he sustained at uh, Leicester that isn't the kind of injury where you just hit the ground running and come back you know it might take him several weeks or longer to even get to that level if if you know if he ever gets to it maybe maybe he does and that's great but we can't really bank on that so i do think that's a challenge for us for sure other teams are also like Salah's going to be gone isn't he there's going to be other teams missing important players but we seem to be one of the most impacted uh, during that time for sure. Well, ex-
0: I think especially because we've really kind of redefined our midfield and everybody seems to be very happy with what's going on. And to take those two key elements out, um, just, it's, it's, it's frightening is what it is. It's, it's not, you know, we're not in any sort of bad situation like Lucas said. We're, they're not picking up a knock and we're losing them for three weeks. We know exactly where they're t- taking off to. Hopefully they'll come out of that little international break, the, the cup um, squeaky clean, and we'll, we'll have them back. Um, I guess my second question to that, to, to lead it before you before you jump in, Lucas. Um, so the 11's kind of been set. We've seen Poro play the right. We've seen Sar, Madison, and uh, Basuma in the middle. Obviously the back two uh, center backs are there. And uh, Udogi's been just a phenomenal 20-year-old kid. Um, a little more up front, we've seen Charleston come in. To, uh, we've seen Solomon start. We That gives a little rotation. J- Johnson actually came in, and we haven't really touched much on that. But Johnson came in at the side and what an immediate um, impact he had with the club. Um, it must be just so fun to have that kind of response and have that kind of love given by the Spurs fans to him. He must be jumping with joy. Um, but let me fast forward to my question. My question is this. If we are fortunate to have Bentacor back, and he is at full speed, and he looks like Bentecourt, where does he slip in? Does he slip right into star spot? And now we have Madison and Bentacor pressing, delivering, while well, Basuma sits back and cleans up the uh, the mess that we might leave him, is that how you guys see it as well?
2: Yeah, I definitely think that that would be and that would be our dream scenario as a midfield. Um, and I think that again, we all hope we really hope Bentoncourt comes back. And that's not a knock to SAR. I think Sars played fantastic. But um, one of the things that I think is advantageous to us again is that we've developed a system and a style of playing. So, that the hope is that when it comes time to make some of these changes for the African Cup or the Asian Cup or what be it, I think it'll be easier because guys will be slotting into a role and knowing what is expected of them and knowing the system and the style in which they're supposed to play because that's what we're establishing as the normal way that we do things. So, even if it's not, even if your skill set has been a certain thing like, or or like a different way of doing things, you're going to know that if you are called to come in, you're going to be asked to do things the way, like if you're going to be Basuma's replacement while he's out, you're going to be expected to do a role in which that's the way he operates and like do things the way that he set the standard as, because that's the way we play. Whereas in past years, it's kind of been, we've had like, we've had certain ways, like we didn't have an identity last season. So it's like, if Kane went down, we were basically just fucked. Simple as, and so it's like, or in years past where it's like Erickson, if if Erickson were to have gotten hurt, we'd be screwed because everything was facilitated through him. There was no backup plan. But so I think the way that we, I, I think the way Pasta has us playing and the identity he's trying to set for us will actually benefit us when it comes to swapping guys in and out, because everyone will have that same sense of belief and that same sense of freedom to go forward and to make things happen and I think that that's going to be something that might give us an advantage as opposed to the way it has been for us in years past.
1: So yeah. I I mean I think it's pretty much spot on what you what you said, Lucas. And I do think, Sir, you you hit on it. I I suspect it will be Sar. I'd. Bet- I do think there'll be some rotation. Um, probably there'll be a few injuries, suspensions. You know, Saar. I'm sure, will still get a decent amount of football, even if he isn't first choice nailed on every single week. Uh, like and we'll he is have at the, the
2: FA Cup coming in the second half of the year too.
1: Yeah, there you go, FA Cup as well. Hopefully uh, we, we put a run together there. But, you know, Saar's only 21 years old. I think it's advantageous for him to learn. Like, look at the players he's learning from here. He's got Basuma. Bentanker, you know, and uh, I know he's a different player, but looking at Madison as well and the way he plays, like these are great midfield players to be to be able to learn from and develop your game. So I, I think it's great that Sars surrounded by them. I mean, I know we talked about Hoybier. I, I was. Not upset about the idea of selling him in the summer, but he's been so good off the bench. I actually think against Liverpool, he was the best sub that came on. He was the only one who was really like finding long diagonal passes and trying to change things around. So I think Postacoglu probably quite likes Hoybier. And if there's no pressure to sell him, you know, if we're not under any financial, you know, need to, to cash in on him. I, I wouldn't mind keeping him around at least till the summer just, just to have in your back pocket, so to speak, right? As a good option off the bench as well. Um, but yeah, um, I do think it's it's good to see we've got some good midfield options once Ben Tanker is back in. You
0: it, it, it make a good point. It's amazing what a little competition will do for you. And everybody's yeah. always said it over the years, let me see a little competition spot. And you see it in Hoiber. Hoiber is a starter uh, for Denmark. He's a, he's been a starter his whole career, wherever he goes. Um, you know, and Basuma gets bought during the Conte era and doesn't see the pitch. Hoybear the man because he fits that or uh, fits that system very well. Um, and now he's sitting on the bench, but he comes on, he's been on three or four times and he's played with such um, enthusiasm. And he's, he he's, that's why I said earlier, he's, he's a great teammate. I agree with you, Joe, having somebody like that on the bench that knows his role, and yeah he might not get in the eleven, but uh might get a twenty minute run out um to to come on and like just start blazing up and down the pitch um and giving his all is a uh, is a remarkable thing to have and I think it's worth thirty million pounds in January versus twenty million pounds in the summer. I think I would skip the the thirty and take the twenty in the summer and keep our bench loaded um and I know Rick, if you're listening. You've been you've been dying for us to have, you know, backups in every single position. And you might not be the biggest Toy Bear fan, but what a talent this guy is and uh what a player he can be for us if something does happen to say Basuma, especially in that in that role. Uh you guys want to finish up with the with the squad? You got anything, Lucas?
2: No, I think you're 100 percent right, Sai. And also another thing that we have to consider too is I think what's Basuma sitting on four red card or excuse me, four yellows right now. So it's like, yes, yes. So there are going to be games we know. And that's why these, you need to, you need certain areas where you have trusted guys in your squad that can step up and do their job for a game and might be called on at any moment. We know it's a matter of time until Romero's got a miss for an injury or for some kind of red card scenario or accumulation of yellows. But Suma might be seeing that very soon too. So we're going to need to figure all this stuff out. And I'm, I'm confident that, Postacoglu's got all of this. If we're talking about it already, I'm confident that Postacoglu's got these wheels turning in his head and he's got already got some ideas for solutions. And I'm sure that's stuff they're working out on in the training ground.
0: And real quick, Joe, before you uh, jump in, I just want to say something on um, Hoiberg's behalf that when you play a system, when you play a coach's system, a manager's system, Hoiberg did exactly what he was asked for in Conte. Hoiberg has not been any like yes he didn't press the ball forward he looked for the easy pass to kind of control the ball defensively and then move it up or or spring out and and send them but in this system i still think hoy bear does have the ability to get that ball and turn it up field like Basuma has so well done uh in the first six games of the season what do you think joe
1: yeah no i i, I agree with you 100 percent and i think it's it's it. I even would say it goes beyond the like different tactics a little bit as well. It, like obviously that's a, a component, right? It's like what you've been asked to do as a player under different coaches can be completely different. But I honestly think like Pastorecoglu, just with his sort of positive energy and his coaching style, and even like seeing how he's coached other teams throughout his career, he just seems to be the sort of guy who improves players. You know, we've and like you. I always think when, when you talk about footballers, we always have like a set idea in our head of like what level a player is, right? We say this player's great, this player's average, this player's shit, whatever. But with good coaching, you can change a player completely. You know, like you guys used the best example probably already with Basuma. Like Basuma couldn't get a game under Conte. It's remarkable to think that now when he's like one of literally one of the best midfielders in. In the Premier League, right? He's one of the best players for sure, and he wasn't able to get in the team. And that, I think some of that's tactical, but I would say the majority of it is just either through psychological or just just like coaching, coaching his game, like what he's supposed to do in different areas, the energy levels, the the, the kind of important things. And he, he like Ange gets them playing like kind of fearless football, right? We've seen this as well where Vicario. I mean we've not really talked about the car I think Becario's been an incredible signing actually I I didn't good expect shot. him to- he's been like way exceeded my expectations um I honestly didn't know much about him so I was like I knew he was meant to be pretty good based on what I'd heard but he's been awesome and and I love that like and Ange seems to say if anyone makes a mistake if a defender gets caught in possession or the keeper you know tries something a bit to loses possession it's it's on him like he takes that himself rather than the player. Can you imagine that on the Conte, right? Like if, <laughs> if, if, right. if a keeper tried something like the Cario did with Conte, the, the guy's going to be like, you know, completely uh, fed to the wolves and he would probably be banned from the training ground for a month or something. You know, it's, it's the contract. Sit, is...
2: it has to sit, sit by himself at meals. <laughs> like yeah. yeah.
1: Well, do you remember the last season, there was that story that he, um, that Conte yelled at, Richarlison. And the story was that he yelled at him for about an hour in front of his teammates. It's like, I can't imagine yelling at anyone for an hour. I mean, you must get bored after a while. But apparently <laughs> that's what happened. They had to apologize to everybody. And it was some very minor thing that Richarlison did. He just didn't like do the right thing. It's, it, it like The culture just seems to have shifted completely. So... I think, Sai, you're right about the tactical side, but I also just think that the the vibes, for want of a better way of putting it, are just so different now, you know? And it's, uh, it's just a happier place for us as supporters. And also the players seem infinitely happier than they were last year as well.
2: Yeah, and Joe, the thing you talked about too with the coaching is we as fans do such a... We're very, very quick to make up our mind as to what a player is, what they're good at, and what they're shit at. And then we as fans have the. It's, it's unfortunate that we do it, and I'm no better, but we all just kind of get locked in in our way of thinking, and we forget that they can still learn how to do a job. They can still learn to improve other areas of their game. I think a perfect example would be Pedro Poro. When we signed Poro last year under Conti, and he's playing as this wingback role, everyone just wrote off that he's never going to be able to play as a true center or as a true uh, fullback. He's too sloppy in defense he'll never shape that part of his game and look at him right now he's a phenomenal defender for us right now as well as being one of the best guys being able to get forward and slot into channels and or into the channel against and come inside and outside with kulichelichevsky he looks like this completely different player and that's only been a couple of months so if we thought Brendan Johnson was a great player from what we thought imagine if he starts working with like Postacoglu is able to get so much out of these players so I think we have to really be excited about that and the fact that he has this track record of working with players and I think another thing is you look at when you bring in players and you develop a culture of being a team and being a unit and you start to actually play like uh look at how different Romero looks now that he's next to Van de Ven like and Van de Ven said it in Mickey said it in interviews where he's like I know that I'm I have the freedom to go do x y or z and be a little bit risky when I want to do something because I know that Romero's next to me and vice versa. They have a system together, those two that they want to play. And that's something that I, I think is a lot to credit them, but it's also a credit of this environment that Pasta built around having the freedom to go do these to dare, basically. I know it's cliche for our club motto, but <laughs> yeah, it's having having the freedom to go be aggressive and make mistakes and not have to fear the consequences, I think, is really benefiting all of these players.
0: Well, I, I, well you mentioned Vandeman, and we haven't talked about that gentleman the whole night. And uh, what a signing this guy's been. Uh, just uh, super tall, super fast, super lean. I mean, it's he's a young man who's like come into a very difficult situation at center back for Tottenham and has embraced himself and is absolutely in love with this club. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but when, when Poro dealt it in and Matt Tip tipped it in, in the net in the background is Vandevin and he like does this like somersault, like swan dive onto the ground and spread like, yeah. like, and, and just an utter joy and like, like, and oh my fucking God, this just happened. It looked yeah, like, the, it looked like the
2: inverse, it looked like the exact opposite of what the Ajax players falling to the ground looked like. after <laughs> yeah. the Bowl. It was a fall to <laughs> the ground with the exact opposite
0: yeah. emotions. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's, 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 let's quickly finish this off with uh, a few fixtures that are coming up. We are, we're going to, this weekend, we're going to be at Luton. Um, and, uh, and then we got Fulham at home. And then I believe we have at Palace. I'm not sure where the international break sits in there. Um, is, it, is it two weeks from now?
2: It's after Luton,
0: isn't it? It's after yeah. Luton. Yeah. That's what I thought. Sure. Um, so we were discussing this earlier off topic. Everybody was listening. And we're heading into a little small ground called Luton. And uh, and why don't you guys talk a little about it? Lucas, why don't you jump us in, into this match away? What What's your thoughts on the match?
2: Well, Luton's going to be an interesting one because I think we're going to see them. I kind of talked about it during my locks there. If... Um, but uh, it's it's one that we're going to see them park the bus. That's they just beat Everton last uh, at the weekend. They lost today against Burnley, but they don't. They're not a team that really wants to get forward. They have a guy um, at Abayo who can really run. He can run these. Uh, he's a very good player. But they're they're gonna look at us and just probably park the bus, especially seeing that we've given the, a lot of tape, uh, a lot of game tape so far that says we have difficulties cracking teams that are parking the bus. Um, I think this would be a great game for Richarlison and lump balls into the box to him. Kind of like the changes that we made against Sheffield, where we lined up incorrectly against Sheffield, and then we made a couple of changes putting Richarlison on. And I I think that if we do that from the beginning, we should be okay. I think one of the things that is... I I hope that we're going to... I hope this is something park uh, playing against teams that park the bus. I, I expect that to be something that we really develop at and work at and get better at as a team, because pasta coming from Celtic, that's basically what you play against every week. Like anyone that's playing Celtic in that league bar Rangers is going to just park the bus and has been doing that for years. So pasta used to that. And I expect that he has a lot of answers as to how to beat that type of play. Um, but I think that's pretty much what we're going to see. Luton's a big team. They got a, they got a lot of size they're not going to cut us open and score some counter-attack from open play. They're going to just try and get forward at cautious opportunities that they can and hope to get corners or set pieces, which is how they're going to get most of their goal opportunities. So we're going to be very, we're gonna have to be very focused at the back because I know it's difficult sometimes when we have 75% of the possession and you're on spells of five or six minutes with the ball, and all of a sudden we now need you to go back and defend a corner. So that takes a lot of focus from our guys. So we'll definitely need to be locked in that way, Um, but that this is definitely a game where we're going to try, we're going to have to try and get a goal early to try to try and crack them and force them to come out of their shape. Because if we don't get that goal early, this could be 90 minutes of them just playing a very frustrating style from us. And as we've seen, unfortunately, sometimes while that's happening and despite us being on top, there can always be that cheeky corner deflection that happens off their first corner opportunity in the 70th minute. And then we're f- scrambling
1: frantic. Joe? Yeah, I saw a little bit of Luton. They played Burnley today. I, I caught a little mm-hmm. bit of that. And they're absolute. like Lucas said, they're absolutely huge team physically. And they were just pummeling corner after corner into the box. Um, they eventually scored... Um, I think it might have been off a set piece. I think it was, and then they actually conceded a goal about a minute later, and, and ended up losing. A cracker I, of a goal by that. Berkeley it was guy. a great goal. It was a really great finish. And I was actually going to say, like, that would be if I was to do a equivalent of Luke's locks. My tip would be that we're going to score a goal from outside the box because I think what they might do is, well, they, what they definitely will do, I should say, is just what Luke has said: is they're just going to just plant themselves like Liverpool did, you know, like basically as. Uh, you know, come try and get through us, kind of thing. And we might have to resort to, to shooting from distance. And I'm like Porro has a decent long shot. We've seen Son when he drops into a deeper position can can shoot well. Kulisevsky, we do have a few players Madison, who can hit a ball. Sure. Yeah, Madison's probably the best example. Yep, yeah, good, good, good call. So I wouldn't be shocked to see us, you know, maybe get a long-range goal. And 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 I do think once we get one goal and we just edge ahead, we will run away with this one. And we could probably put a few in. But it could also be one of those where, it, 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 you know, they're 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 locked in and it, and it's hard to break them down. But Simon, you mentioned the ground. I have to really quickly say, they um. I think this, like the capacity is really low. I think uh, I think you said it. It's like eleven thousand or something like that. And apparently they had to like do some work on the ground at the start of a season, which is why they didn't have a game for the first couple of game weeks because their ground was been uh, fixed up to mm-hmm. be to meet the criteria to be a Premier League ground. And you actually in the away end, I've never been there myself. It's uh, it's not a ground I've been to, but I know that you have to go through a row. Of like this sounds crazy but Victorian there's like Victorian houses like a row of houses you go through a house like (laughs) entrance which sounds like I'm making it up but if you google it I promise you it's a real thing they may have like changed that now just because they're trying to you know they've hit the big (laughs) time in the Premier League but that was always the case that you went through this like entrance to a house to get into the way and so it's probably a a different ground than a lot of our players are used to playing at it'll have probably the feeling of more of like an FA Cup tie against a you know, a lower league team almost. I was gonna say it's nat- given
2: me Marine. I get like Marine vibes where we played Marine <laughs> a couple of years ago, and you had those two
1: ladies
0: yeah. sitting behind Jose in lawn chairs, just hammering Chardonnay. wine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's Chardonnay right. Chardonnay behind the fence.
1: Yeah, I remember there was Gareth Bale was warming up, and there was like a guy taking photos with a cup of tea in his hand. <laughs> like you know, Gareth Bale is just like hanging out outside my house. He's like walking his dog in the in the yard or whatever. It was it's crazy, but um. Yeah, but like again, I don't want to curse it, guys. But if we get a win here, if as long as I think if City avoid if City don't beat Arsenal, we will be top. If we beat Luton, so there's a good chance we'll be top. And uh, hey, it, this keeps you know. I'm, I don't want to curse it. I promise. But remember when Leicester did it, right? I'm not going to say we're going to win the league here, but what at every single point they were doing well at, like after five games, after ten games, whatever. Like by Christmas. And everyone was expecting them to fall off and, you know, it was only a matter of time and they just kept hanging in there. And every time we get a landmark like this, we hang in, we get to another international break, you know, maybe in January we can boost our squad and who knows where this season can go if we keep this uh, positive momentum going, you know, you know, you never know. So
0: I'll, I'll, I'll add to that, Joe. And I, I your, your Leicester shout is great. I, mean, I think a lot of, not just football teams in, in in our sport that we're following right now, but any sport—baseball, American football, whatever it is. When you have great team camaraderie and you have people that want to be on the pitch for each other, and you're just and you're and you're really having a ball, and you're and you're getting good results, and you're on top of the world. You know, I just feel like they're doing the right thing. They're thinking about, like you said, Lucas earlier. We only have one fixture. They got one fixture to focus on. They're they're totally a team looking to, to just accomplish what one thing is. Get Three points at Luton. Um, I do feel like with the kind of run we're on, I don't think that's going to end. Um, I'll ask everybody their uh, their 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 scores, but Lucas, yours either has to be 2 0 Tottenham or 1 0 Tottenham from Luke's locks because you have the under two and a half, and and there's really no other way. So, what's your score?
2: I am going 2 0. I'm going 2 0. I think we're going to see like a Madison goal from outside the box, kind of like Joe said. And then I think where Charleston will get a header at some point because this is going to be a great game opportunity for him. If we, One of the ways I hope we don't – my big hope for us is that we don't waste time. I hope that whatever we decide, however we decide is our game plan to try and crack a parked bus, I hope we go at it just full speed ahead, go at that game plan from the jump, or from Jump Street because I don't want this to be one of those games where we waste 60 minutes and then – still haven't figured out a way to really crack it and then try and make some subs because the subs might not be healthy and it could get an ugly, it could be an ugly result that way. So I really hope we try and get aggressive from the outside, from the wide positions and lump balls in and firing crosses. And I think Richarlison should be the point man standing there to have at least one of those in. So I'll say two now Madison gets one from outside the box where puts in a nice header and we have a nice parlay with a Spurs win and under.
0: <laughs> what do you think, Joe?
1: Well, I mean, I am—I would never seek to undermine Luke's locks, so I'm—I'm I'm also going. I was going to say the same. The similar scoreline, two nil. I think. Um, it might be one of those where we just have to keep keep the faith they might hold out maybe till half time maybe even a little beyond that but i do think we'll ultimately get the uh the breakthrough maybe we get a penalty or something like that and and then yeah like i mentioned maybe a, a long shot uh, something like that and we've just got too much quality i think I, I, you know if burnley can go there with all due respect to burnley if they can go there and beat luton then you certainly think with the quality tottenham have got we should we should be uh we should be doing the same. So I feel pretty confident mate, uh, about this one. What about you, side so, What are you, what are you so, thinking?
0: <laughs> I'm actually going to, going to, going to go against Luke's locks here. I'm going to bet the other three, but uh, this one, I'm not going to go. I I, I, I really think that Richarlison might have a breakout. I think we're going to get on board. I think that uh, Ange has seen what's happening with these other clubs. What Arsenal did this last weekend, they scored, they put up four or five goals um, trying to run it up. And Ange has proven that when we're down, when we're up goals late, and we need to sit back and just manage a match, we still push forward. I, I could see us winning this game five one. Um, I'm gonna say three one, um, but I could see this being a high scoring game. I would actually take the over on this game. Um, sorry, Luke, and, and, and listen, you, you've made more money than you've lost, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go against you here on this one and take the other three. And I'm gonna say the Spurs are going with this one. Three, one, two with Charleston. And uh one poro. Um a shot earlier about his long shot. He's he's hit the piece of the bar post three or four times this year. Super unlucky. He could have four goals. Um and I just think I think he's gonna have a couple shots on um that that one might might one might drizzle in. Um after the international break, we got uh, Fulham and we have Palace. I just want to touch on real quick. Um, because I don't want to look too far ahead just like those guys aren't. But if we do win this game, um, we we sit pretty good at home versus Fulham, who we did tie at the cottage in, oh, tie, but lost in penalties um, in the Caribou Cup. Um, a little revenge game for us because we kind of got kind of to show that we need to, to beat these guys, especially at home. Um, any thoughts on the last two games after that? Uh, I mean, I know we'll touch on them in the next couple of weeks, but before we wrap this up, Lucas, what do you got in the next couple games after that?
2: No, I think, um, again, There's the Premier League's hard, especially when you're Tottenham and you have teams that are teams are going to be gunning for you because especially fellow London clubs, like everyone would love a crack at us and they always love a chance to try and beat us or ruin our day or make a point off us if they can. So uh, I think the momentum that we've built for ourselves just puts our a little bit more of a target on our back, which is always going to come with the territory. But um, I, I think the thing with us is you can say that that is a little bit more of a it is a more favorable stretch of games on paper, at least where yeah, Fulham is someone that we know we can go compete against. We did a pretty good job controlling the game, at least when we played there in the Carabao cup and had a one, one draw. And that was with a completely rotated side against their starting 11. So I think we know at least that if we go there and we play our starters and we play our way, we can control that game palace is always a difficult one too, but Again, I think that, like we talked about, it's nice for us to have these are one-at-a-time, once-a-week fixtures that will have – that'll be an advantage for us is that we don't have to worry about playing multiple games in a week and trying to piece together health and squad issues like that. So um, I think they're both going to be teams that are up for it, which is something that shouldn't be surprising because it's the Premier League and everyone's always going to be up for you. Um, but, yeah, I think that, again, it could be a very – it could be a really nice stretch of games for us. And even following that as a Chelsea side that has been nothing but a shit show. So if we take our, if we take this one week at a time and we do our job and we're able to stay healthy and continue growing and moving in the right direction that we've been in, uh, we could be sitting in a really good spot.
0: Before I have, before I ask you the next question as um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly for uh, crystal palace, um, unfortunately just pulled up with a hamstring injury. They're saying it's going to be four to five, six weeks. Um, so that's very bad for them. Cause he's a very great player that we've actually been looking at. Um, what um, Joan, you can comment after this. I, I kind of want both of your input just for fun. These next three matches, how many points do you think we're going to get? Not how many points are you happy with, but what's your actual, how many points do you think Tottenham's coming with on these next three
1: fixtures? Go ahead, go ahead,
0: Joe.
1: Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel a bit foolishly optimistic saying this, but I fancy us to win them all. Honestly, I, I'm not. I know it's always dangerous to say that, but you'd certainly think Luton. You know, we've got the quality there. Fulham, we're actually at home. I think it's confusing this because we've got so many games thick and fast. But Fulham's a a home. Palace is away, so. If there's any of those three games I see as difficult, it would be Palace away. But as you just said, side their best players are probably going to be injured for that one. Um, if I was if I was a, a betting man, I would go for nine or uh, even conservatively. You've got to be thinking we're going to win two out of those three. So seven seven to nine is is where I'm going, <laughs> leading to Marcus, what nine.
2: Um, I think it'll be. I think we'll get seven. Um, I think the. We'll, I think we'll take care of Luton. I think we'll take care of Fulham after the break at home especially if' we're t- if we continue to uh, continue to treat our our stadium as if it's this it's we, we've made it into this fortress right now and I hope we keep that going. The atmosphere in there is incredible so I'm hoping that that plays a real advantage for us. so I think we'll have no trouble with Fulham. Uh, the, the weird part is it's we play Fulham on the Monday night. And then we play Palace on a Friday night.
1: That's right. So we have yeah. a
2: really—that's the reason that I can see this Palace game being a little bit trickier. Palace plays on the Saturday, and we play on the Monday. So they got a couple extra days to prepare for us, whereas we have to finish up a game Monday night and then have a couple days to try and scramble together. a, training session or two before we go play Palace and that's always well, a top away game
1: So Lucas, you're right about that, but it's <clears throat> it works in our favour with the Chelsea game though, because that's on the next Monday so we go Monday, Friday, Monday right, so for the Monday Chelsea game we're going to get an additional day or okay, two, Okay, yeah, whatever. so that
2: will it's, help too, but yeah, yeah, so that, that, but but yeah, to answer your question, side the Palace one would be tricky, and that's the only thing I could, that's the thing I foresee being a potential snag for us, but um, yeah. banana skin, but yeah, um, I would say probably seven points. I would love all nine though. I think we, if we take care of our business, we should be getting all nine out of these.
0: So to add to Luke's locks, I am going to throw out Tottenham is going to take nine points here, and I think you're going to get some pretty decent odds of taking Spurs to win all three of those matches. Um, so that was that was not. Uh, I did not talk to Lucas before this, but I'm going to I add something. It it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give that out as a play.
2: Yeah, take a little flyer well, on a take a little flyer on a three straight winning. Take- uh, winning tonight right. for Spurs?
0: <laughs> Why not? Uh, well, hey, guys, it's been an awesome conversation. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening. But I also want to thank uh, Tommy for editing, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic pub that we had a blast in this last weekend. Uh, to, uh, to use the recording space some of the times. We're, we're at home tonight, but uh, usually we do try to record at the pub. Find us on many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Hit the Describe button and write us a review on iTunes if you would like our pod. Give us a review. We'd love to hear from you, good or bad. Seriously, shout us a review. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook and at Four four Stars Burst. Excuse me, Four Stars Burst. Um, And uh, I want to thank you guys for being on, man. It's just been an awesome night. it's
2: fun to have these convos when we're playing this way. Again, everyone keep coming <laughs> right? out to the pub. Uh, everyone get out there for 6.30 a.m. against Luton at the pub. We've got a great atmosphere in there, and it's only going to get better as long as we keep playing well and have all these good vibes going around the club. So,
0: I think Dennis see all soon. Yeah, a good shot. I think Dennis will have the pub open at 6. Uh, but if you knock on the door at 5.45, you might be able to get a pint of Guinness. Joe, <laughs> hopefully we get you out there soon, bud. But, uh, Hold it down there, it's Highland Park, right? You're up there. You're up there in Highland Park. Is that where you're at?
1: That's right, mate. And we've got a bit of a community who go. We go to a local bar up in Highland Park, but we look. We're looking at one of these midweek, not middle week. You know, Monday or Friday games is a good option to, to come down, take maybe the afternoon off work. So we'll hope to see you guys soon in person. That'd be awesome. Come
0: That's on, awesome. you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs! Come to the pub, everybody. We'll be there. All right, guys. Have a good night.